lived ten years in South Africa, and when I got back to Milford, I was asked one day to uh, a luncheon uh, rotary meeting to give a talk. Uh, I had, uh, those days, uh, nobody liked anything in South Africa. And uh, after about two minutes, I looked down below. It was at lunchtime, and one guy was sound asleep. So that got the message through to me pretty easily, actually. Uh, first of all, perhaps, and I won't bore you with a lot of things, but uh, this is something I'm sure you uh, Air Force people and people to do with aircraft will, uh, will appreciate. This is 16 reasons why airplanes, and I apologize for the to the ladies present on this, reasons why airplanes are easier to live with than women. <laughs> One, airplanes usually kill you quickly. A woman, a woman takes her time. Two, airplanes can be turned on by the flick of a switch. <laughs> airplanes don't get mad if you do a touch and go. <laughs> Apropos of that, uh, my wife, who passed away, I don't know, 72 years, you know, uh, I used to say in those days, in my days, unfortunately, you couldn't take the girlfriend to bed, as I used to put it. You couldn't use the practice fairways at all. <laughs> Anyhow, airplanes come with manuals to explain their operation. Six. Airplanes have strict weight and balance limitations. <laughs> Seven, air airplanes can be flown any time of the month. <laughs> Eight, airplanes don't come with in-laws. Airplanes don't care about how many other airplanes you've flown with. <laughs> Number 10, airplanes and pilots both arrive at the same time. <laughs> airplanes don't mind if you look at other airplanes. 12, airplanes don't mind if you buy airplane magazines. 13, airplanes expect to be tied down. Airplanes don't comment upon your piloting skills. Airplanes don't whine unless something is really wrong. However, when airplanes go quiet, just like women, it's usually not good. That's, that's all I know. Now, for, for the next uh, 45 or 50 minutes or so, <laughs> I shall briefly tell you how almost single-handed uh, in, the, in the Corsairs I won the war in the Pacific. <laughs> like most, most people, I'm sure almost all the people who flew during the war None of us had even got near an aircraft. I certainly didn't ever touch an aircraft uh, until I got to Gross Hill in, in Michigan where we were going on to Stearman's. Uh, and so it, it was something quite new to us. But being typical Royal Navy, 
we had to go to England first and learn to be sailors, uh, which and included, including in the passing out from a naval airman second class, which is as low as you could get in the navy. Uh, if you if you pass these these uh, these uh, few things on, on uh, sailors, included in which was tying a naval knot. Very useful, of course, when you're going to fly an aircraft later on. <laughs> but that was typical Navy. We had to be Navy first. Anyhow, I was fortunate, and Ben Heffer here, I'm sure, was the same, uh, had one third of all Royal Navy pilots trained under a special scheme with the, with the United States Navy. And uh, we, we were fortunate having put up with Naval uh, traditions and so on, and uh, as, as a, a non-commissioned person in the Navy, you were, you were treated uh, worse than any any dogs, really, so that it was great to go to the United States where you were treated like human beings and you lived very well, actually. And uh, so anyhow, uh, in typical style, we, we uh, trained on Stearman's Harvard and the Brewster Buffalo and the Martha and then we got onto this big aircraft called the Corsair, uh, which seemed huge to us because we'd all been used to small ones. But they, they proved to be the greatest aircraft, uh, naval aircraft, made during the war. I saw them go in with drop tanks on and sometimes a 500-pound bomb on when we were doing a, working over Japan. And uh, the guys would always get out. And uh, they, they were, they were just, just a, a very great aircraft, actually. And the reason we got them, uh, and I think the reason, the very reason I'm still here, actually, because I might have been on swordfish or something like that, uh, was that the Americans broke a lot of them getting onto the deck. <laughs> they had to, you had to have a new system whereby if you got stuck behind the, the batsman, uh, you couldn't see him. You had this big radial engine in front of you. And uh, we had to develop a, a landing technique. You're turning right onto the deck and very near stall and straighten the wings up and cut at the same time. Uh, on the way up to the up to the Japanese theatre, and I was on a carrier called Formidable, we called in at Leyte, I think it was, or one of the islands, maybe, anyhow, one of the islands there. And quite a lot of uh, New Zealand Air Force uh, guys that came aboard who were flying Corsairs by then. And uh, inevitably got talk got round about landing these things and so on, and they were, they were a little tricky to land. Uh, and uh, the question came up, uh, what's, what do you, we asked, I think we asked the guys, what do they land the Corsairs at? Uh, and they said, oh, about 80 to 90 knots. And uh, we sort of chuckled just because we bought them and we told them we landed them at 78 knots, which was about five years, five knots above the stall. And they were fairly vicious, vicious storming aircraft. And I'm sure the Air Force guys, uh, they, they thought we were just shooting a line, actually, that, that we'd bring them. But we had to bring them in slow and, uh, and cut at the same time. Uh, as, as is normal, I think none of us really thought that we were going to get it, uh, and uh, but it was a great relief when the war finished. But I had a, 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 a wonderfully exciting number two, uh, a great pilot. He was the best pilot I thought in the squadron, but he was such an irresponsible guy. 
uh, that they, they, they see I wouldn't give him a, a section to lead, so I got him as my number two. And he, he, he was so excitable, I don't think he ever knew fear. I think he only knew excitement. And uh, usually when we were, we were losing aircraft from pilots, and uh, a couple of us one, went across one day to an escort carrier which used to bring uh, bring uh, replacement aircraft up to uh, off Japan, and uh, he's sitting there. I'm sitting beside him. We didn't like these escort carriers because the flight decks were pretty short. Actually, but anyhow, I'm, he's sitting there, and I look over, and he's going frantically waving and putting away, pointing down. And I look down beside me, and there's a bloody great shark wandering around the bottom. I can tell you what, I nearly bent the throttle getting you off that deck that day. <laughs> he, he, was, he used to go in, in the ready room when most of us were a bit quiet and so on. We were waiting, waiting to get out to an off. Uh, McCliskey, this fellow who came from Wanganui, he, uh, he would run around the, 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 the ready room reciting all the gun, guns, the middle X number of guns and so on. Because he, he, he was practicing, if he got shot down in Japan, he was going to tell them everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's all I really have to say, fellas. But it's, uh, are there anybody, any Air Force fellas here, ex, who flew Corsairs wartime? Nothing, okay. Uh, just, just I, I've become somewhat cynical, very cynical about war, uh, the, the Iraq war. Uh, it was supposed, supposed to be uh, weapons of, of mass destruction. It wasn't about that at all. It was because of oil. Uh, the next one which will come along and, uh, and there will be other nations, I think, fighting. There are trillions of dollars of, uh, dollars of gold and, and all sorts of minerals under this awful country, Afghanistan. And uh, I remember uh, before the war ended, uh, to what they were going to do to the Krupps and his ilk in Germany, five minutes after the war, they're all pals together and trading with each other. So, for my want money, war wartime is mainly about money. Hitler, uh, he had his god. Every every country, every place you, you hear about, uh, they have god. They have a, their own religion. Uh, I've become pretty cynical about that too. Uh, I find that was never ever guilty of thanking or hoping or praying to God that I was going to be spared because I didn't. I, I wasn't a believer and still am. Anyhow, uh, thanks indeed for the invitation. It was a joy to be here uh, among uh, people. And one thing about it, once you've flown aircraft, you sort of never, you're part of a, perhaps a, a, a brotherhood, you might say. Thanks, folks.